Hey, welcome to Braves Country. On this episode of Braves Country, we welcome David Barbie. He is the longtime producer of Drive-By Truckers. He's a huge Braves fan, a big Bulldogs fan, and loves to eat more than you do. He's got the best list of must-eat places in and around Braves Country. He's got stories of Brendan O'Brien, who produced Pearl Jam, as well as Steve Albini, who produced Nirvana, and how they all play wiffle ball together when they're in the studio in Athens. David Barbie will put a smile on your face. I can't wait for you to hear him on Braves Country today. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hello. Hey, David Barbie. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Good. How are you today, sir? Good. I need 10 seconds to tell them the schedule for tomorrow. You can have 11 seconds. Scott Munn is giving me 11 seconds to tell you this. I'll see you at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll see you at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll see you Thursday, Ryan. I'll see you Thursday, like our soft 10, 1030. Cool. Beautiful. See you guys. Good sesh. Uh, Kimberly uh, Morgan York told me to tell you hello. Cool. Yeah. Is that who you're recording? Is that who you're recording today? Yeah. Me, Carl Nolens, Bax. Yeah, I'm playing bass, and then Ryan Engelberger is in here engineering with me so that I can play the bass. Man, that's fantastic. She wrote a great song one time um, that she said was influenced by me called Deuces and Jacks. Oh, that's a good song. I, didn't I like know that was a that was a Mun influence. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that song. I told her I only play aces, but she insisted that she thinks I bluff sometimes. <laughs> ah, I like it. <laughs> But I love that song, and she's great, and I'm yeah. glad you're recording with her. And uh, and uh, we're gonna get started here on the okay. on the Braves Country podcast in a minute. You ready to talk some? We're gonna talk about everything: Braves baseball, music, the whole thing. You cool? I am. I try my best to be. Okay, fantastic. So I'm here with Tug. Hey, man, what's up? All right. Not much, Tug. How are you? Man, I couldn't be better, and I appreciate your time. I'm glad to be here. Yes, sir. My thrill. Welcome to the Braves Country Podcast. My name is Tug Cowart, along with Scott Munn. We talk about living in the South. We talk about music. We talk about food. We just talk about being Southern most often. And today we have a very special guest by the name of David Barbie. You may know him as the producer for the Drive-By Truckers. He's produced most all their records. But not only does he do that, he's also the owner of the Chase Park Transduction Studios in Athens, Georgia, as well as being part of UGA's music business. He's the program director of it. Dude, you got more titles than anybody I know. I have a lot going on. I'm a busy guy. It's a good thing to have is a lot going on because it meets the alternative, first of all. And then secondly, David, I knew you were a good dude when Scott gave me your number number to dial and it was 706. I was like, I'm a 706. This is a good man we're about to talk to. I pride myself on living in the 706. But interestingly enough, when I moved to Athens, I moved here so long ago, it was still 404. 
And so uh, what I always tell people is I didn't leave 404. 404 left me. And so then I fell in love with 706, which has been my area code for a long time. Mine too. I grew up in northwest Georgia, up in Dalton. And I remember when it was a uh, 404 kind of spot too. And then, uh, then yeah. it, it, I, so we're right there together. I'm 44. I don't know how you are, David, but we sound like we're at least in the same ballpark. And, and ballpark is the correct euphemism for this conversation. <laughs> yes, sir, it is. Yeah, there's so much going on. You've had so much influence over so many artists in Athens, Georgia, which is a mecca of great music. How did you get started with music? Early, I guess, as a child, you just fell in love with music, and, and then it started there? I came from a musical family. It goes back a long way. My uh, grandmother... Uh, the uh, Fronita Valentine Schneider was the pianist on WSB when the radio station first went on the air in the 20s. And Burt Parks, the guy who hosted the Miss America pageant for a million years, was in Atlanta, and he was the singer and primary entertainer, and she was his pianist on the radio. Nice. Um, and I mentioned that because I was talking about this in the studio earlier to somebody, and we realized that with two of my sons involved in music, too, that we are somewhere nearing a hundred years of my me and my people making music in the state of Georgia. Um, my mom and dad, both lifelong professional musicians, they're both actually in the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. So I grew up around music. I grew up going to studios. Um, nobody, until I st- when I started at UGA, my dad told me that I was the first person in the family who had ever had a real job before. <laughs> so I love it. And I told him I hope you wasn't too disappointed in me for that. But, uh, yeah, so I've been making music my whole life, um, and I started playing music as a small child and uh, played the drums, took piano lessons, then took drum lessons, and then picked up a guitar and started doing that. And and I started playing the bass, which is my best instrument, because some guys I knew had booked a session needed a bass player. I couldn't play the bass. I'd never played the bass before in my life, and I didn't own one. And they said, if we get you a bass, will you come to the studio and be our bass player? And I was like, sure. And so there you have it. But repeatedly, I walk up to the corner, the bus pulls up, the door opens, and I step on. That's my only talent. Now, David, you told me recently that when you came to UGA, you were kind of looking to become a sports journalist of some type, and you you kind of found your way into the music industry. We have similar stories in that regard of working at WUOG Radio and finding our way from you know, sports entertainment to music entertainment. Can you tell us about your early days and working in radio and uh, how your path developed? Yes. Um, my path working in radio and working around sports started when I was in high school. And um, there was a high school internship program. I grew up in Atlanta. And um, my guy, you're older than me in high school, Frank Reese, who now owns Acapella Books and Little Five Points, Frank had interned at WGST when it was a news station, which I don't know what it is now, but anyway, we we interned there. He interned there, and then he got me. He recommended me for the gig when I was a senior in high school. So I was an intern to a local radio Atlanta Atlanta radio sports personality named Brad Nessler, who of course has been quite oh my gosh, yeah. Brad was an Atlanta radio guy, and he was a great guy. And so I was doing these menial intern tasks the first day of my internship. And um, he stopped, stuck his head in the door where I was paint color coding. This shows you how long ago this was. There used to be these things to play on the radio called carts, like yep. a cartridge. You yeah, there were eight tracks. I was, I was, right, I was color coding the carts 
And Brad stuck his head in the door and said, hey, you're Frank's friend, right? I was like, yep, I'm David. And he said, hey, I'm going down. It was the day before the 1981 season opened. And he said, hey, I'm going down to the stadium for the Braves preseason practice. Do you want to go down there with me? And I was like, well, Lou told me, the station manager, Lou told me to color code these cards. And he said, I'll take care of Lou. You come with me. And we went. So the first day of my internship, I'm uh, sitting in the dugout with Brad and Bobby Cox. And um, watching uh, around the batting cage were the pitchers were taking batting practice, which is a jovial time. And it's Rick Camp and Gaylord Perry. And you know who else is hanging out there with them? He was a Braves coach at the time. His Hall of Famer, Luke Appling, who was probably born in about 1910. Amazing, amazing. um, So it was just an amazing thing to be around. And so while I was in school at Georgia, like, I mean, I did that that spring with them. And then when I came up to Georgia, um, Brad and Miller Pope, whose name I hear still like producing Falcons games, they would sometimes say, hey, uh, we need uh, Dominique's turn in pro. We need somebody to go cover that press conference. What do you do? And I mean, they call my dorm phone. It's like, uh, <laughs> well, I got him out of class. I can, yeah, okay, we'll pay you 20 bucks. Great. So I'd go over there and I'd do a report and I would cover. Sometimes they'd call me to fill in to cover Braves games or cover Hawks games or something. And so um, I was was majoring in journalism and Brad had said, you know, if you get a Georgia, get a journalism degree, you could you could do this job. And it seemed cool. It's like I like sports. I enjoyed the um, enjoyed the whole thing. But what really um, but then I moved up to Athens and I was doing this while I was in college, but I saw a local band play um, in a club for two dollars and that band was called REM. And they were pretty good. And basically, they um, kind of kind of blew my mind seeing that. And so I, um, uh, I mean, at that point, I just kind of realized right away. You know what? I love sports. I do. I'm a huge fan. I love the you know the radio stuff and all my journalism stuff is cool. I'm into it. But there was no doubt that like where my heart really was was making music. And as soon as like as soon as I saw REM play. Uh, it was right when Chronic Town, the EP, came out. I knew it's like, these are my people, man. This is what I want to do. And so that was like 40 years ago, and here I am today. Wow. It's amazing. And that's the intersection of the journalism, the radio, the sports, and the rock and roll. What a great way to start as a young man in getting that experience and going to the stadium and being on the field. Most people don't ever get to do that. Most people never get to do that. Your life was like the Champs-Élysées uh, in Paris, where all the roads just come together. <laughs> I like that comparison. Well, I'll tell you another great thing about about working for Brad in particular was um, he had a different level of relationship with the um, Atlanta um, sports figures because he was a, he's a very smart, down to earth guy, mm-hmm. and you could and they really trusted him. So they would talk to him off the record and knowing he's not putting this on the air. I mean, he mm-hmm. said when I was sitting in the dugout with Brad and the and Bobby Cox's first tenure with the Braves, he, Bobby Cox said something so funny, so truthful, and mildly off-color. It wouldn't offend anyone, but you might have small children in the audience, so I'll keep that to myself. I'll tell you both privately later on what it was. But All right. It was a comparison of Brad asked him how a current college home run hitter stacked up to um, 
I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you, I can, I can sanitize this just a touch. And so Brad's like, hey, Bobby, how'd that Fuentes kid look from Florida State who had just broken Bob Horner's home run record? And Bobby Cox just said, Brad, that boy ain't a zit on Bob Horner's, and I'll use the word derriere here. And um, it was a funny thing to say, but the point is, is like, Bobby Cox and Hubie Brown and Dwayne Morrison and the other people that were involved in sports in Atlanta at that time were comfortable with Brad where right. he got better stuff because they know he knew the difference of, hey, we're just talking and yeah. we're on the air. Yeah, and yeah, so, on the record, um, yeah. The, the guy was really a cut above, and I learned a lot from him. I mean, the things that really helped me in other ways in my life just about – professionalism and um and you know earning the respect of other people so it was really a phenomenal experience yeah brad Dessler is a plus and does the uh, sec on cbs if you're a big college football fan lives in roswell georgia we're talking to the musical mayor of athens georgia <laughs> david barbie on braves country on the atlanta braves radio network you're one of the biggest braves fans and musicians that i know when I, whenever we get together you know we might be making a record but we're talking braves baseball the whole time well, what the Atlanta Braves mean to me is this is my childhood team. The first thing I remember about the Braves is as my you know cognizance for me began, interestingly enough, when I was about three years old, which would have occurred in 1966. So um, I just grew up with, with the Braves. And especially as a school-age child, Hank Aaron is chasing – Babe Ruth, and I'm in Cub Scouts, and I'm getting Boys Life magazine as part of that. And who's on the cover? Hank Aaron, and he's chasing Babe Ruth. And um, I went to a Braves game for my 10th birthday party, which was the last day of the '73 season, and he was one home run short. My parents had bought these seats, I'm sure, months before, and so we just—it's probably the only like a sold-out game of the season that year for the 73 Braves. But, yeah, what the Braves mean to me is it's my lifelong team. I mean, I'm a, I am am an old-school sports fan where the team you grow up with in that sport, that's your team. If I were to move from Atlanta to San Diego, I'm not suddenly a Padres fan. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Dogs fan. I'm a Hawks fan. Those are my teams. And so, yeah, the Braves to me are like my – they're my team fantastic period i love that there's no there's no changing because people right. do it all the time people just they, they just drop the team that they grew up cheering for and they pick up a team that's winning and i think that's garbage front runners no good no good for front runners no good for nothing they're low down that's exactly right so i know i know the answer to this question david but go ahead and tell us all who is your favorite all-time player for the braves well, it's hank Aaron, right yeah, it's hank, i mean it, yeah. you, you just let's, described let's, let's it so eloquently okay so so david going from your beginnings with hank Aaron to now he's really been a part of your life the entire time uh, uh, well hank Aaron was a great childhood hero to have because it's funny, as a little kid, I wanted to grow up to either be Hank Aaron or the Beatles, neither of which was early in the cards for me. But I, um, Hank Aaron was a great childhood hero to have because obviously he is the greatest player in the history of my team. Here, which here. Means he's my favorite player. And maybe of he all was, time. He was the greatest player, you know, of my childhood. And he also, his whole, you know, the quiet, understated, consistent Hank Aaron. He didn't miss a lot of games. He gave a consistent effort. He's he's underrated, underspoken, underappreciated, but the real baseball people knew that Hank Aaron was just as good as it gets. If you made a list of the 10 greatest baseball players in history of the game, and it's like 
I don't even know if you could ever crown anybody number one because as soon as you say Hank Aaron, somebody's going to have a legitimate argument for Willie Mays. And you know what? I got in a conversation this morning about I think you could make a case that Oscar Charleston might be the greatest player mm-hmm. to ever play the game of baseball. Who's been When you read descriptions of him, I mean descriptions of like white guys from the 20s and 30s, it's like this guy was like Tris Speaker and Babe Ruth rolled into one guy. Whatever. If you made a list of ten players, the ten greatest, Hank Aaron's in the club. He is absolutely one of the ten greatest players of all time. He's the greatest player in my childhood. But more than that, just as a person, he's exactly the example that you want. And I'm going to use the worst example I can for the opposite for many reasons. Like, it's like I, as a kid, like, I wouldn't have enjoyed growing up and rooting for Barry Bonds. Um, It's – not just because he's a juicer, because he seems like he's just sort of unpleasant. Yeah. And uh, I had the great opportunity to meet Hank Aaron on one occasion, and I have a picture of this in my living room. Another friend in music who I went to journalism with school, journalism school with, is uh, DeWitt Burton, who's REM's longtime equipment manager. And for a couple of years, he worked at Young Harris, and Hank Aaron was going to come out and throw out the first pitch at the opening of the Sal Miller baseball field at Young Harris. And at the time, my sons, Winston and Henry, were eight and six years old, and I took them up to this thing to see it. And then on the when they're uh, when Hank is walking off the field, unbeknownst to me, DeWitt grabs and says, Mr. Aaron, there's one more group of people we have to get a picture with. And I got this have this picture now in my living room of me and my two little boys and Hank Aaron. And uh, it was just a fantastic experience do your kids are, are they big baseball fans too because i'm a huge baseball fan as well and my son jacob is eat up with oh, yeah. baseball i mean if it were cancer he'd be dead oh yeah they played all the way through little league they played high school ball and uh they yeah they um yeah they love the game all you know yeah we grew up, I mean, they grew up around me was listening to a lot of music and we watched a lot of baseball you kept that love alive, though, and this is the thing that I that I admire about you most and have not had the pleasure of meeting you personally but can't wait to do that, is the fact that you not only have a love for baseball, you participate in baseball. You're the past president of the Athens-Clark County Little League. You've managed your kids you, you know, in the All-Star Games and several championships that they are part of. That's taking the love of baseball and implementing it. You love it and you live it. Well, what might, more than doing it when my kids were playing, what might illustrate my deep love of the game even more is I've now, with, you know, my kids are adults. My kids are 27, 29, and 31. And my um, youngest son, Henry, and I, we, I've been back for about 10 years managing the Chase Park Little League team that my kids played on. And Winston coached with me a few years. And I don't ever have, I don't have parents as assistant coaches. I've always got my own former players, which usually includes one of my two sons. Um, Chase Winford, who pitched at Georgia, he was my pitching coach for about three years. He played for Chase Park. And uh, Patrick Matthews, who pitched down at GCSU, he pitched for Chase Park. He was, so like some of these guys, but, yeah, I always have um, – but, yeah, so I've been back coaching Little League without kids playing for about 10 years, and I no longer do All-Stars. I'm going to leave that to the moms and the dads. Um, it's hot outside, and the, lake, <laughs> and the lake's not going to ski on itself. That's right, exactly. Um, it's but, not. Um, but that March-April made the regular season pennant race of Little League in the spring. My most serious Braves watching really ramps up this time of year because March, April, and May, I'm keeping up with them because they're my team. But my daily obsession of baseball is Athens Little League. In yeah. fact, I one, one day a week, I um, 
am the uh, voice of the Athens Little League report on a local AM radio station I where we have it. like a, a sports center about the local Little League. Well, well, hang on. Well, tell us what station that is so we can check it out. AM 960, the Bra- uh, the, the RAF, RAF okay. part of the Atlanta Braves radio network. That's exactly right. No, that's awesome. I think it's terrific. I, it makes me love you even more. That's fantastic. <laughs> We're talking to David Barbie, uh, Drive-By Truckers producer, UGA music business program director, owner of Chase Park Transduction. We have to have a whole podcast just to get all your titles in, hmm. sir. And famous Little League baseball coach for the Chase Park team over there in Athens, Georgia. While we're on that subject, what piece of advice, if you could give one piece of advice to Little League families out there, if you could give one piece of advice to parents of Little Leaguers out there, uh, what would that be? I have five rules for players, ten rules for parents, most of which are related to things you should not say or do, and one rule that applies to every body with the Chase Park Little League team, which is referred to as Rule Zero. And Rule Zero says the least important play is everything that's ever happened before. The most important play is the next one. And so one of my things with Little League player parents is if your kid makes an error, you'll what you'll hear me say is let it go, get the next one. It's um, If somebody strikes out, it's like, hey, good cut, get them next time. Or, hey, next time you know, that pitch is a strike. Um, learn from it is something I'll say. But that's it. It's like keep moving forward. There's no reason to dwell on the past. For parents, I think the most important thing is to let the kids play. Um, I would think in 21 years of coaching Little League Baseball, I would imagine the number of pitches that I've called from the sideline is maybe five. Um, I teach the kids how to play and let them play. And losing and giving up a home run or striking out is part of learning the game. And you will learn more if you make your own decisions in the moment and live with it rather than if you've got somebody standing over your head or a dad flashing signals from the stand yeah. or somebody reminding you, you got to use two hands or you got to swing at that. It's like, you know, I think he probably knows he should have swung at that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, my thing is like let them play. Keep it positive. Let the, nobody, the kids won't remember in 20 years nope. if they won or lost. They'll remember if they had fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I, I love the fact that you say that because my son is a pretty competitive baseball player. He's going to be a rising junior at Alpharetta High School and has, has played a lot of ball. But, the, you know, the one of the, the biggest compliment I ever got from him, David, was, and this was probably five or six years ago, we came home and he said, Dad, you know what? I'm so glad you're not like that other parent that just continually yells at me when I'm on the field. Uh, yeah. And I don't, man. I sit there and I say, "Go get him, kid. Let's go. Go, kid. Let's go." That's all I get. That's all you're getting, because I just want him to know that I'm there to support him no matter what. It doesn't matter if he hits a home run or he strikes out. It doesn't matter to me because I'm there to watch him because I love him and I want to see him do well. And I think baseball is such a great. It almost reflects life too well in many cases. And and I think you'll agree with this because life, life we have a lot of failures. And in baseball, you can fail seven out of ten times and still go to the Hall of Fame. Yep. It's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of life. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the drive-by trucker stuff because I know we have a lot of people who love drive-by truckers. You've produced most of their records. What is your role with the band? And Are you planning a new album? Are they planning a new album? Where, where do they stand? My role with the drive-by truckers is um, whatever they need it to be. I have been involved with their band in one way or another since the very beginning. Um, at, um, and so my primary role is you know, producing and engineering their records. But um, I've played bass with them. I've sat in on guitar. I've played 
all kinds of things on their records. Um, I've been involved with their business, um, and they're like, you know, my best friends. And so um, we've done this together for a long time. So they, by their own description, not by my claiming this, that I'm basically a member of the band, and um, it's uh, which is a uh, valued position to me. And uh, we're kind of musical co-conspirators is the best way to put it. And so what we're up to is um, – I mean, they did put out two records in 2020, so they we're all about to get together in a few weeks here because nobody they haven't all been together hardly at all in so long, and so we're going to um, all get together in the studio and uh, they're just going to jam and we're going to see what they've got, what Patterson and Cooley have for new songs, and kind of work out some ideas and just kind of get cranked up, and they're going to start touring here again pretty soon at the end of the month. I think they get started, so. We're, like the rest of the world, we're cranking it back up, but we're going to start it up by doing what we did in the first place, which is everybody comes over here to the studio, and we're going to hang out and make some music and see where it leads us. And also, uh, David, we know you have an all-star band over there called The Quick Hooks, and that seems to be a baseball reference of sorts. And uh, Do you have songs about baseball with that band, or tell us about The Quick Hooks. Uh, the Quick Hooks uh, is a group that I play with uh, periodically around here. There's a lot of great players um, in that band um, who've been in John Neff and John Mills, who both, among other things, played with uh, Bloodkin. Um, Kyle Spence, who has Kurt Viles touring drummer the last few years. And Frank McDonald from The Glands, who's just a tremendous guitarist. But um, the Quick Hooks, I uh, the best Little League team that one of the one of the very best ones I've ever had. Um, the one game I lost, I lost because I think I pulled my pitcher a little too quick because I do buy into the philosophy that you're better off pulling one pitch too soon than one pitch too late. Yes, sir. But um, in the in the wake of that defeat, I called my band the Quick Hooks. It's just a reminder to me of my own shortcomings. But um, I don't have any songs about baseball, really, because I kind of keep my baseball and my rock and roll separate, mm-hmm. even though I love both things uh very much, but now, now that you mentioned it, I don't think I have some. You know, there's some analogies that pop into uh, that pop into songs here and there. But uh, actually, there is a re- there are some references to weird baseball things. There's a Mercyland song that references the infamous Pete Rose Bud Harrelson brawl in the '73 NLCS. So I guess there's a couple little times that kind of creeps in there, but I don't actually have any songs about baseball. The best Athens band song about baseball I've ever heard is Bloodkin has a song called Life in the Minor Leagues. It's on a Danny Hutchins solo record that's like a really moving song that uses minor league baseball as the analogy for uh, being an independent musician. You know, it almost reminds me of Boys of Summer a little bit because that song is not about baseball necessarily, right. but Don Henley used a lot of baseball references because he's a big baseball fan. Yeah. Three other great Athens bands that you were a part of, or really they weren't just Athens bands, they're just great indie rock bands uh, that I really loved. I loved Mercyland, uh, Sugar, and Buzz Hungry. Take us through those three groups uh, quickly and give us an overview of of where those uh, where those folks are these days, and and, and are you still ever uh, making new music with uh, with Mr. Mold? Uh, Mercyland was my band from '85 to '91, and we toured about as hard and worked about as hard out as anybody could, and then just made the decision that time to move on and so we did i loved those guys and i love playing with them and i there um i've had a lot of interest in the past few months about 
Mercyland records being re-released. And um, I've kind of resisted for a long time because just like so many other things, a band like uh, just like the legend of Oscar Charleston, a band will the legends get so good after a while. I started thinking, you know, I kind of might prefer the legend to the truth. <laughs> but um, I've got a lot of interest to put these records out, and so um, I'm doing it. And so I've been actually been working on getting these things like remastered. And so like there's going to be like re-released Mercyland records in 2022, which is Great. both. Uh, shocking and exciting to me and i'm you know i'm in touch with all my former bandmates and those guys live in various parts of the south and we're all in touch with each other um i started playing a buzz company right after mercy land broke up in 91 with eric sales who uh, lives in kennesaw and uh, brooks carter who is now a psychiatrist in north carolina and then almost within a year of starting to do that bob mould invited me to join his new band which turned into sugar and so I kind of did the two things back and forth through the first half of the 90s and then um, decided at that point that my children were maybe about, you know, uh, two, four, and six. And it's like, okay, it's time for me to get off the road and focus on the hmm. studio so I can be uh, more – so that, you know, we can have more time to be around each other, which was better for everybody. Yeah. And um, But uh, I haven't made any music with Bob in a long time. We have played a few times since sugar broke up but we're still friends and i think the world of the guy super amazing talent led deserving of his legend he's somebody who's a legend is great but with bob the truth is greater with me i'm happy that the legend i like the legend support for extra 106.3 comes from natural body spa and skin remedy celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in store and online you can discover mother's day and anniversary presents online at natural body spa and skin remedy at naturalbody.com Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Talking with David Barbie, who is uh, a fan of baseball, a fan of Georgia and the Braves, and a fan of uh, great music and been a part of so much great music over his lifetime and his career. Coming off the road also gave you an opportunity to join the UGA Music Business Program. You're the you're the director of UGA's Music Business Program. So should we call you Professor? Is that is that, the, is that accurate? Well, uh, people in academia would probably be upset with me if I referred to myself as Professor because to be a professor you actually need to have a phd and uh i've got a i've got a doctorate in like living life i think and doing a lot of different <laughs> things but um i am the director of ugs music business program i love doing it i love being back on campus um engaging with the students they are inspiring uga gets gets great kids i wasn't sure when i first started there frankly if this was going to work because my own background spending my whole life in studios and touring and then would i fit in academia would i fit in a more formal setting and from the top to the bottom they are so appreciative of the music business program and they have been so supportive of me and treated me so well that um, i've been so welcomed i mean i've been there now a long time i'm about to start my 12th year and um i love it i like 
you know, I love the subject of music business. There's all kinds of uh, people who come, who will come to UGA, who are friends of mine, and speak to students. And sometimes these are great practitioners of the business. And so there are times they're artists. Patterson Hood has come many times. Dave Schools, Wadsworth Panic, was a graduation speaker one year. Burtis Downs, REM's manager, has been a graduation speaker. Tracy Thomas, who's Jason Isbell's manager, has taught here for a semester and started creating some classes for us and then was a graduation speaker as well. So I've been able to integrate both parts of my life into um, – uh, maybe not the baseball quite as much, but the music yeah. side certainly into my thing at UGA. And my mom went to UGA. I went to UGA. One of my kids went to UGA and is actually about to uh, re-enroll and get a different degree. And so we um, – so, yeah, I've got definitely got a connection, you know. I, yeah, and I'm, I've definitely got a lifelong connection with the university, and it allows me to take – my career and kind of pay that forward a little bit the kids are great so yeah really only very positive things to say about that do you find that maybe some baseball um you know the coaching and the managing philosophies carry over into the music business a little bit it's all the same thing for me it's like there are things about like the structure i've realized when i write things out there are things about the structure of my classes and the structure of the chase park little league team and the way i do things that are um in many ways the same uh that (laughs) i mean there's only i mean i'm the same person right if i go from one to the other it's uh so uh, yeah i think that like my ways probably permeate both worlds it totally makes sense. And with everything you have going on, a, a member, essentially a member of Drive-By Truckers producing all their records and, and the UGA music business program, coaching yourself, producing yourself, recording yourself, I find it almost crazy to ask you what's next for you. What else do you have going on? Because I feel like there's got to be no room for anything else to be going on. Well, I'm always trying, you know, hopefully, hopefully, growing and changing right there's always new things to learn there's always new people to meet there's always new places to go i have earlier this year i had the rather um, unpleasant experience of tearing a quad tendon right at the top of my knee but um i have that has fueled an interest in me of like doing a lot of yoga so uh that's helping my mind and helping me get in, it's helping me get my knee back right so that I can resume my other activity, which I do have one other activity in other than music and school and baseball, which is uh, water skiing. Okay. And so I try, I try and do that about once a week if I can when it's warm out. I'll go until like November just because it's fun. So yeah, there you go. That's not a particularly high brain pursuit, but I love doing it. But that's I'm just, awesome. You know, I'm reading books and growing and changing and trying to trying to be less dumb tomorrow than I am today. That's my goal. <laughs> that's, that's my goal, too. David, Barbie, uh, what, what are the next recording projects coming up at Chase Park Transduction that you'll be producing? Well, the next recording project, um, I have been making a record. Um, actually, today what I was doing is making a record with a singer from Athens and Kimberly York, who's really great. And, um, you know, there's about five or six engineers that regularly work over here. So there's always a constant stream of cool stuff going on over here between me and all my young people that work here. I mean, what I'm about to get into is I am about to sit down and start working on these um, drive-by truckers songs, which will um, 
which with me that's always I want to see what they want to do and then that's going to determine what I'm going to do for a while and I just finished a great record with Kevin Kenny and I just finished um, a great record with Lee Baines and so I'm kind of getting that stuff finished up and then these reissues are going on and then um, I'm uh, and then I'm waiting to see what my drive-by truckers want to do now we made a great record over the summer. You and Kevin Kenny did actually. I just helped out oh, a little yeah. bit, and that reminded me that you know I've been in the studio quite a bit over the years with many different producers and engineers, and you're the only one who I know who will take a wiffle ball break. You know, most guys take a smoke break. That's your, what you always say. But I take a wiffle ball break. You're you're and you're really good at it. Tell us a little bit about your wiffle ball obsession. Well, it's, again, all part of the same thing. Is that for one thing, it didn't really do me as good to take a smoke break because unlike most other people my age in rock and roll, I've never actually smoked a cigarette before. They look cool, they smell good, and they get people out of work all the time, but um, I've never had that particular habit. So um, uh, I was scared out of it by my parents. But I love pitching. I love throwing a ball. So, um, yeah, we have a pretty good wiffle ball setup back here behind the studio, which is a relatively common studio pursuit. When Brendan O'Brien was making records in Atlanta, they had also their own highly detailed wiffle ball setup down at Southern Tracks. You know, it's like my, my slider's my bread and butter pitch, but, um, you know, I've got about three or four other ones that um, that I kind of mix in there. And uh, it's um, it, it's some uh, it's some uh, Leo Mazzoni 101, work ahead in the count. And... Uh, pitch to the hitter's weak spots. Do you have the little setup behind the plate where it's a box and it, as long as it hits the box, no matter where the ball goes, it's a strike? I do, but it's not like some, it's not like some officially done thing. I have like a an old like kind of rubbery lawn chair that I use because if you hit the thing right in the back support the ball will bounce right back to you love it and there's something great about blowing a riser by a hitter and having it bounce back and it's, it's going so fast and it's so perfectly aimed it's a strike when it bounces back through the strike zone love it who is the most famous musician you ever struck out in wiffle ball <laughs> Well, it's not who I struck out. The greatest strikeout I've ever seen back here. We had a concert back here about 15 years ago that was the indie rock band Shellac, and Shannon Wright opened up for them. And we had a wiffle ball tournament in this concert, and we set it up so that it was like the Beatles playing in the Shea Stadium, except it's like in like a parking lot behind the studio. And um, my uh, 10-year-old son, Henry, struck out Steve Albini with about – wow. Uh, with about 200 of his indie rock super fans watching this little kid do this. Amazing. And I, I have a great video of Steve saying, no videos. And I said, this is my retirement, Steve. Smile uh, for the camera. <laughs> and for folks who don't know, if I'm not mistaken, he produced Nirvana's uh, In Utero record, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he's a great guy. And Steve, has, Steve is a baseball fan, too. And, and very much in common. He went to grew up in Montana, I think, and he went to State U to study journalism, and then got into rock and roll. There Interesting. you have it. There yeah, must be something it. to it. Yeah, there must be. Now, even deeper on the baseball love, you also are the only person I know who plays this amazing old-school game called Stratomatic. Take us through that. Well, by claiming that I'm the only person to do this, if you had to have a switchboard on this thing, it would light up because there are people that play this. So Stratomatic is a game I played when I was a kid, and then I discovered along the way other people that grew up playing this and um, 
So we buy an old – I have these guys I play with, and um, about about six, seven years ago, I had this very unfortunate mishap of getting shingles. And I was just, like, homebound, and a guy I'd grown up with um, was my roommate at Georgia, actually, too. He had suggested, man, what if we played – Stratomatic on Skype, and I was like, "Oh my God, I need something to do. I'm stuck at home. That'd be great." And then he asked me, "How do you see the other person's dice?" And I pointed out, "That's the beauty of it. You can't. It's an honor system." So some other people found out about this. So I currently have a Skype-based Stratomatic league that features one other person that lives in Athens, Tim Kelly, who owns the Rook and Palm, which is a board game bar and restaurant in downtown. An attorney in Atlanta named Clay Jones, who is a super passionate Braves fan. Uh, my quick host bass player, John Mills and Savannah, my friend at Notre Dame, Jody Sanfield, and then a new league member, Larry Rosen in Jacksonville, Oregon. And so what we do is we pick a season. Our most recent season we're playing right now is 1980. And then you pick a stadium because the stadium affects how the players play. You know, there's more home runs in Fenway Park than the Astrodome. And I've got a few 1980 Braves on my team. Uh, Tommy Boggs is in my starting rotation. Rick Camp is in my bullpen. Uh, recently I was playing a game and – I pulled Boggs, brought in Camp. My opponent brought in Dale Murphy, who got a hit to tie the game in the eighth inning. Of course he did. Of course. So um, it's just um, – and I don't play fantasy or, you know, because um, it's uh, rotisserie or anything because um, I would just be keeping up with the stats. I prefer to play the head-to-head game of me managing a game against somebody because I'm competing against another person in real time. And rather than I picked the right team and they did well, it's like I'm making when you blow a game. I mean, I blew a game. What a weekend. Hawks lose. I got swept in a three-game series. I wasn't first by one. Now I'm out two because I lost three straight uh, to the uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> Baxers. My team is the uh, Texas School Book Depositories. And, um, Very clever. We uh, <laughs> switchboard be lighting up again with that one. And uh, – yeah, I brought in my one of my relief aces, Doug Corbett. He's the right guy for the situation, but you know what? Uh, Ricky Henderson's pretty good. Drew a walk. Dwayne Murphy got a hit. There goes the lead. So uh, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's just another yeah, it's, yeah, another so, yeah, layer I of guess baseball. I do that too. Oh, it's another so layer. Good. It's, you know, it's it's not a gift. It's an affliction. <laughs> Sometimes you're actually right. Hey, before we get out of here. <laughs> David, because we, we've talked baseball, we talked Georgia football, we talked music, we've done it all. Let's talk about the best places, in your opinion, best mom-and-pop restaurants, either in Athens or in Georgia or in the southeast or anywhere your travels have taken you. I love to eat, Ben. So I, um, you know, somebody asked me recently if I'm a good cook, and I was like, no. Hmm. I can make a peanut butter sandwich, I can grill it, I can boil it, but the fact is the good cooks of the world need somebody to eat, and mm-hmm. I love to eat. Right. So – Five favorite mom-and-pop restaurants, and these are of all walks. Some of these are reflective of my, like, weird studio eating. Uh, Number one, Jim's Grill in Bowman, Georgia. Okay. This is a place that's so tiny that for years, this is on the road I drive to go up to Lake Hartwell and go skiing. And I would just see this building with, like, trucks parked outside. It was like, is that like the Kiwanis Club? Like, what are these guys doing in there? (laughs) And so finally I just drove up and looked and saw them really, like, just, like, tiny little sign on the door that says Jim's Grill. I went in there to eat. It is a fantastic. I love it. Jim's Grill. On the way to Hartwell. Jim's Grill, Bowman, Georgia. Two. 
Another thing on the way up to the lake that I would only eat on the way home because it's a little much if I'm about to ski is um, fresh air barbecue, which is uh, this is like the mo- it's just consistent. It, I've lived in Athens for 40 years now. Every time I eat something from that place, it's the same as it always is. It is it it's Hank Air. It's totally consistent. Love it. And um, where where's Fresh Air? That's in Athens, and that's kind of on the that's on Highway 72, going out towards uh, on the way up to the lake again. Okay. Um, uh, here's an here's a uh, here's an oddball for you. Is um, the, uh, there's a little place downtown that. I think in Athens, but I think it's called Cozy Yum Yum. I just sent somebody down there from the studio to get it. But I eat a lot of poke, and they've got the they've got my favorite poke bowl in Athens. That's like a great studio brain food. I eat a lot. Okay, uh, it would be completely remiss of me not to mention the old Athens Warhorse, the taco stand, where I would estimate that I've eaten somewhere between four and 5,000 meals. Um, <laughs> you got that down to a your, down pad. I like that. What's your standard order at the taco stand, David Barbie? My standard order at the taco Now, I eat all the foods. Okay. I mean, uh, rare steak and tofu, I love it all. Um, but my standard taco stand order is a black bean and rice Sancho, hot, no heat, which is hot sauce, but it keeps the beans and rice hot and the cheese, lettuce, and tomato and sauce nice and cool. It's good summertime. Love food. it. Um, I'm going to tell you one more by name, and then I'm going to have a wild card bonus pick that I can't I name. Love. I promise not to. Okay. So number number five is Los Amigos, which is this little Mexican grocery store around the corner from my studio that has, I kid you not, it's 2021. They have $1.50 tacos in there. What? This place is so good. It's a family business, and I love that place i eat there all the time and then number six the bonus pick is there is a place in nashville a breakfast place that is in an in-town residential neighborhood that another person in music took me to eat on the condition that i would never identify it publicly because they said once the hipsters find out yeah there'll be a line a mile long outside this place if i'm ever in nashville either of you two gentlemen I will take you to this place, okay. and as you can be the hungriest you've ever been in your life, and it will be a challenge to finish the breakfast <laughs> that they serve you. Dude, I wish I, I could it. name this place, no, but uh, I promised. No, I would was, never. That's, that's my bonus. So Jim, Cozy, Fresh Air, Taco Stand, Los Amigos, and the bonus place. That's, Dude, that's my place. I wrote them all down. I didn't want to forget them. Yeah, David, David Barbie, <laughs> Yeah, Tug's over here taking notes while you're giving us your uh, Southern Mom and Pop local restaurants, and that is fantastic. And I think I just developed a plan while he was doing that. I think what we're going to do is Tug and I are going to come over there for a Georgia football game this, this fall, and we're going to come see you and uh, maybe play a little with football and then head down to the taco stand with you and then we'll go see the dogs how about that perfect day right it is a perfect day because of course i am a lifelong dogs fan when we lost the heartbreaker of the national championship game and i was Mm. there and everybody around me is just destroyed i look at all these people around me because i'm talking to my friend and it's just like if i told you in august that we were going to win the sec east destroy Auburn in the SEC championship game, beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, and then come within an eyelash of beating Alabama? Is that better than you expect or worse than you would expect it? Everybody's like, well, better. I was like, yeah, they're my team. Win or lose, they're my team. And the Braves, the same thing. When the Braves, it's easy for people who grew up with the great Bobby Cox, Greg Maddox, Chipper Jones Braves, or the modern Acuna Snitker Braves to appreciate these great teams. I know we're a 
slightly below 500 now, but it's still a great team, and we all know this. They're going to pick it up. But you know how? But my deep, deep love of the Braves was really cemented in like the Preston Hanna, Barry Bunnell, uh, Jerry Royster years of the mid 70s when the Braves like lost 17 games in a row, had to have things like ostrich races to draw fans. I've been to so many games where there was probably a thousand people there where I bought, I love this, it's true, a 50 cent general admission ticket. I would take the bus to downtown Atlanta and go to Braves games. I loved them so much in the mid 70s when they were the worst team in the National League. And I'll leave you with this. In my eighth grade yearbook, everybody had a quote that was attributed to them by their students, by their fellow students, right? You didn't get to say what your quote was. Other pe- the people in the yearbook staff wrote what they thought your quote was. You know what 13-year-old David Barbie's quote in the eighth grade yearbook Give was? it to me. The Braves are going to be good this year. <laughs> I love it. If you I say it, it every year, one year you'll be exactly right. Exactly right. David Barbie, you are the professor of baseball and the musical mayor of Athens, Georgia, my friend. We love you. We love you. And thank you so much for taking the time out for us today, man. I know you got a lot going on. Clearly, we went through a lot of that stuff. But anytime you're over here near Truist Park, the battery, we want to invite you to come in, bring a guitar, the quick hooks, or whatever combination you want to put together with people you know and like to play with and uh, play a song or two here on Braves Country for the Braves Radio Network. We'd appreciate that. I would love to do it. Thank you for having me. I loved talking about all this stuff with you guys. I'm telling you, there's nothing about it. There's nostalgia. There's uh, hope in the future, like you did. You're talking about the Braves are going to pick it up. I mean, in everything in between, it's everything you can ask for. Yeah, thanks for being on the show, David, and we hope we can keep up with you and uh, talk as we go. And we'll, we'll check in with you uh, maybe after you've recorded that new Drive-By Truckers record and see how that went. Sounds great. I'll keep you posted. Enjoy the day. Go Braves. Go dogs. Thank you, guys. See you, bud. ThePodcastPark.com is your home for the fans' entire stable of original podcasts. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan, you need to stay connected to shows like Welcome to Madlanta, featuring Atlanta's rich history of sports legends. College football fans will love the Chuck Oliver Show podcast. Two hours of college football talk every day, all year. And baseball fans get to dive into Domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball. Subscribe to all these great shows and so many more. Anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com. Presented by Associated Credit Union. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.